0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On Air. Like the kōkako, the saddleback, or tieke, belongs to the New Zealand wattlebird family, a family to which the huia belonged and which has been established in this country since ancient times, much longer than most of our other birds. The saddleback takes its name from the bright reddish saddle on its back, which according to legend is the mark of Maui's hand. Sadly, this attractive bird has disappeared from the main islands and exists only on a few offshore islands, carefully chosen locations for resettlement away from predators, which appears to have saved the tieke from total extinction. Community or chaos, we can construct and nurture community or fall into chaos. Over the next hour, Marvin Hubbard hosts conversations toward creating a fairer, more equal society. Community or Chaos is made possible with the support of Quaker's Aotearoa. You'll find them online at quaker.org.nz.
1: Good morning, friends. Welcome to Community or Chaos. We have with us today... Hossein Risisi. Riss- and he's from originally from Afghanistan and is doing a PhD at the peace and conflict research center at Otago University. And his research is on the impact of religiosity, ethnicity, life satisfaction and discrimination on the social capital, and ultimately the sense of belonging of Muslim, youth, immigrants, and refugees here in New Zealand. You can podcast this show later by going to oar.org.nz and then going to podcast and then going to Community or Chaos. Hussin. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and what did you do before you came to New Zealand and why did you choose to study at the Peace and Conflict Center at Otago University?
2: Well, thank you, Marvin, for the invitation. I'm very happy to be here with you on this next hour. So, as you mentioned, uh, I am Hossein Raisi, originally came from uh, Afghanistan. Uh, uh, from the south actually from the south of the country uh, district of uh, Jagori province of Kazni so uh, when I was uh, around 13 to 14 years old actually I migrated to Iran by myself The that journey was very hard and uh, that took me about uh, two months to get uh, to, to Tehran, the capital uh, of Iran. Uh, when I arrived there, I was too young and no one. Uh, I applied everywhere as a servant, as a, I mean, uh, but no one uh, gave me work there. So finally I found up a family and I worked there as a servant uh, for five years, five years. And uh, I wished at the time uh, to go study, to learn, uh, <coughs> to find a, an opportunity to go to school. But unfortunately, I didn't have the opportunity or possibility to go to school. Because as an Afghan, <coughs> at the time, we are not allowed it, to go to public uh, Iranian public school. So uh, in 2001... Uh, when uh, relatively peace established due to the presence of uh, NATO in Afghanistan so I used the opportunity I went back uh, to my homeland, my home country Afghanistan and uh, I started studying from the secondary school uh, I finished well the school and uh of course, I went to the high school, and when uh, normally finished their day school, uh, because there is not that much possibility uh, for everyone to be accepted or to go to uh, university, so we have a general exam, around 200,000 or 300,000 people uh, participate in the exam, and then finally from 200,000 or 300,000, they accept like five or 4,000 people so uh, I had the chance I admitted made to the uh, social uh, science faculty or department at the Kabul uh, University I finished well my studied year uh, so when I finished uh, and then I moved to France uh, and then, of course, I will ca- I'll, I'll be back. Uh, I will talk about how I moved to France and what was the circumstances for the moving. So I moved to France. I exiled actually in France, and then I did my master degree there at the University of Bordeaux, or Bordeaux in French. Uh, so uh, yeah, when I did uh, my master degree, so I moved uh, to uh, here to your beautiful country, in New Zealand. And uh, I'm doing here my PhD uh, at the National Center uh, for Peace and Conflict Studies. And then I come back to the second part of your questions. When you asked me, what did I do before I came to New Zealand? Actually, when I uh, finished, uh, or I graduated uh, from the University, Kabul University, it was in 2010. And then I started uh, working with uh, uh, UNODC, United Nations Crimes and Drug and uh, Kabul, their local office, Kabul, uh, for six months. And then uh, I, as uh, I know, at the time a little bit French, so I got an opportunity and I moved to uh, Emirates, United Arabs and uh, there I work with French with, uh, with a, there was a joint project of NATO United uh, Emirates uh, Arab and uh, Afghanistan I worked there as an interpreter and a cultural mediator uh, from 2011 to 2012 uh, and then uh, when the project uh, finished I went back to Afghanistan And then uh, there at the French Institute of Afghanistan, I became (coughs) the responsible of uh, their Mediatek. Mediatek in French is is a a digital library, something like that. So uh, yeah, uh, there I worked till 2014. And actually in 2014, I moved uh, to, I exiled in France. And then uh, when I finished my study uh, in France, I started working with asylum seekers and refugees. It was like in 2016 or 15 was uh, the peak of uh, asylum seekers in Europe who experienced. Uh, yeah, we helped them uh, the asylum seekers in their administrative works and uh, help them uh, integrate it in the French society. yeah. And the third part of your question, if I don't forget, was about how, why I did, or why I chose the New Zealand Peace and Conflict Studies Centre. But actually, um, I liked to do uh, my PhD uh, in in English because uh, at the time I knew I knew. A little bit uh, literature which existed uh, uh, in uh, francophone countries and francophone literature, so I wanted to explore and develop my knowledge in English, and um, read, write, and and uh, speak perfectly in English. So that was that was the reason that I was looking for uh doing my PhD in one of um, I mean in English so uh, New Zealand was a good option was the best option at the time for me because I wasn't sure if I could get a scholarship and uh, so if uh, I mean if you are doing or um, a PhD and if even if you are not a I mean, domestic um, students, you are considered a domestic student, so you are not scudi- stu- so need to pay extra tuition fees. So that was uh, the idea that I chose in New Zealand, and of course Peace and Conflict Studies Centre uh, was uh, that I I had a little bit of information about them, because uh, one Afghan uh, girl was studying there, so uh, I had uh, a little bit of information and then I contacted them uh, so uh, my supervisor so she was interested in the topic of uh, my research and uh, actually it was just after the shooting creature shooting that I moved and it was even in terms of uh, timing, it was a good timing for doing the uh, research so that was the reason that I chose your the, the beautiful country and then and, and peace and conflict uh, National Center for Peace and Conflict Studies
1: yeah will you stay in new zealand or will you return to uh, afghanistan or what are your hopes in the f- I like a lot i i wish and
2: this is uh, um, that is my dream that one day uh, i could go uh, to my home country uh, and and uh, actually the people they need us they need us when we go studies abroad uh, we have uh, a different vision modern vision uh, and uh, and we need to implement these ideas in a country like afghanistan so that is my dream uh, i hope i can implement this dream one day but at this time it's very hard even you might have heard about the the trouble uh, suicide bombing, uh, which I've uh, uh, carried out yesterday, about fifty kids, fifty kids between four to seven years old, they were killed. I am very yeah. sad. Si- I'm very, I'm very that's sad for that. Very horrible. Yeah, it's it's, it's that, that's my Are country, and this is the reality of my country, and and, and I don't know what to say, and. Uh, Believe me, last night I didn't. I couldn't sleep for the for for what happened to my county. And they were all little girls between five to seven or seven years
1: old, and so it's trouble. I'm yeah. so sorry. No. Yeah. I'm. It must be very very hard.
2: It is. It is very hard, and particularly, yeah, that. Uh, uh, our relatives, they lost um, two kids there, so it was horrible, and, and I'm really shocked by what happened there.
1: What's the R E L Foundation Fellowship, or what's it?
2: Yeah, uh, the Ray Foundation, R-R-R Foundation Scholarship actually apparently the, the foundation uh, I mean the, the, this scholarship launched in 2012 and uh, actually each year uh, they grant two scholarship I mean two scholarship per year and uh, the, the 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 recipients of scholarship mainly they came from the conflict zones and uh, by the way this scholarship is open to both uh, national and uh, international students and uh, they are mainly interested in uh, conflict uh, resolution uh, areas and peace development of peace buildings uh, um, pursuit of peace for migrants and refugees uh, actually, the, the founder of this uh, um, scholarship is a very nice lady uh, by the name of Riko, Riko, originally from Japan. I met her uh, a month ago um, personally. We spent lots of time together. She's a very nice lady. I mean, when I'm using nice, it's very in a very technical aspect. Like uh, she does a lot, she, she, she loves peace. I mean, she does she does so much for peace around the world and uh, she is very active uh, to promote peace around the world she takes cares she pay attention a lot uh, for uh, minority groups uh, so yeah this is the the Ray foundation and, uh, and and actually uh, i am one of the those uh, uh, lucky guy that uh the received this scholarship and that this scholarship helped me a lot, actually, uh, because uh, um, before the, this scholarship, I was just doing my Ph.D. Uh, I had a little job, and then with uh, what I saved from um, France, I just I was saving that. But this scholarship helped me a lot, helped me to be more focused and concentrate on my studies. Thank you so much, Ray Foundation Enrico.
1: What are the greatest needs and the greatest difficulties for refugees from Afghanistan and Iran? Uh,
2: actually, it's it's not. Uh, if I is, is speak very generally, when um, Muslim refugees and immigrants, they are struggling um, actually to be accepted as um, legitimate citizens of Western countries in general. Uh, when they move to Western countries uh, I mean they're struggling with the stereotypes uh, and uh, and this kind of things and 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 that that phenomenon actually uh, is strengthened um, after after the eleven uh, september attacks uh, and uh, just after that, I have uh, read lots of uh, articles and studies around the world, even here in New Zealand. I mean, uh, which in terms of, uh, um, I mean, peace uh, index is, is very highly ranked. I mean, New Zealand, even here in New Zealand, uh, we have, uh, uh, we constate that, uh, I mean, Muslims, members of Muslim community, they are more uh, facing uh, to verbal harassment, to insults and uh, uh, and, and they perceive that that they are discriminated and uh, actually uh, uh, women they are more uh, vulnerable they are more uh, visible uh, i have uh, interviewed many many women and, and and young uh, 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 women actually they they have they mentioned this point that uh, uh, since that time i mean uh, they experienced many um uh, many this uh, m- many times uh, and this kinds of uh, uh, harassment or insult okay go back to your home country uh, and uh, this is not your country something like that so uh, this is uh, the greatest uh, i mean uh, difficulties that uh, uh, still uh, in some points i mean uh, they are not very um, comfortable and, uh, and particularly if women they were up, so they are more visible uh, in terms of, uh, I mean, um, feeling at ease uh, uh, in the society. Um, and uh, actually, uh, when uh, refugees, and particularly Afghans, if I can uh, speak uh, specifically about Afghans, uh, they are suffering from many problems and and many uh, uh, issues from different point of view. And and this is more stronger or more problematic when you came from a community, a a minority, uh, ethnic from Afghanistan, uh, like, uh, you know, like, uh, I mean, the Hazara people that uh, the last, uh, yesterday the, the attack happened here. Uh, first, they are not, uh, I mean, in terms of even religion, they are uh, Shia not uh, from the, um, the affiliation of the majority uh, ethnic groups. And in terms of uh, ethnic, uh, they are suffering a lot. So when they immigrated or asiled in uh, Pakistan or they went illegally to Iran, uh, so uh, in terms of identity, they don't know who they are. Who are, who are they? Uh, and um, the, many of them, they born uh, uh, in uh, in, that, in those countries, and they never ever feel uh, what's looks like to have a country or being you know, in their
1: own country. Okay. So they may have their parents may have come from Afghanistan but they might have been born in Pakistan or yeah. Iran yeah many
2: of Afghans actually Afghans that I have interviewed here this they have the same I mean experiences they born in Iran and they never had the, okay just I want to 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 side to to say to, uh, to, st- to, to, say to uh, an afghan uh, boy uh, around uh, 18 17 18 years old when i met uh, here in new zealand when i asked him okay who you are in terms of identity and belonging that boy told me look at me and told me uh, uh, it seems that he confused from the question he said you don't know i don't know who am i i born in iran and there, I never accepted as a resident of that country, and lived there, for hide from the eyes of police. So it's very hard for me to say that I am Iran. And at the same time, I didn't ha- when I was in Iran, I didn't have Afghan friends. I wasn't in contact with Afghan friends. So uh, we didn't. Ha- uh, so I know nothing about Afghanistan. And even sometimes I don't know what's the capital of Afghanistan. So it's hard for me to claim that I am Afghan because it's even in terms of language, I don't speak the language. And then I moved to Indonesia in a refugee camp. Just I'm citing here. I spent I there five years in a transit camp. But I know that time that Indonesia is not my country. I should leave and settle in another country. And then after five years waiting, in a transit camp, finally we settled here in New Zealand. And he said, as I'm very new here, and still I can't speak English well, so it's very hard for me to claim that I'm New Zealander. So for the moment, I don't know who am I. And then he said, one day uh, uh, in in class, uh, I mean, the teacher asked me, uh, everyone that should talk about a few words about their country of origin. And at the time I was confused. I don't know what should I say and about what country I should talk so this is i mean the the difficulties have gone uh, refugees when they come here i mean i am speak- speaking speak- specifically about youths so they are in terms of identity they have uh identity crisis and confusion and and, and so so they, they are suffering because they are not uh, uh, they are not enough strength, Resilient to another culture, and so it's, it's so it's some of them they are lost, yeah.
1: Okay, I'm going to play some music and then I'm going to come back to this. Thank you. Okay.
0: Shepherds in Bali You fisher folk in Kalimantan You sunk at weavers in Lombok And you who play the gamelan You are not my enemy No matter how different we may be I do not wish you harm I wish you well And you who lift the call to prayer in the mosques of Isfahan. And you who wear the hijab with pride in Kabul or Tehran. You are not my enemy, no matter how different we may be. I do not wish you harm, I wish you well. You who run from the murdering guns From shattered homes and dreams And you whose nights are haunted By the whistling bombs and the children's screams And you who in your desperation Try to reach this shore And you who just can't take the violence anymore You are not my enemy, I would offer you sanctuary, refuge from the terror, and a safe journey's end. You are not my enemy, one day neighbors we may be, maybe, maybe one day I'll call you friends. Fear and hate are the enemy Hold on to hope and sanity The family of humanity Knows no boundaries You dark-eyed children behind the wire No freedom here for you You family Possible rules. You are not my enemy. These governments do not speak for me, and I am one, just one, of many who wish you well. We are not your enemy, nor we would offer you sanctuary, refuge from the terror. And a safe journey's end. We are not your enemy. One day, neighbors, we may be, maybe, maybe one day we'll call you friend. One day, surely one day we'll call you friend.
1: That was Fay White and friends, an Australian group, and the title of these people, this place, everyday grace. We're talking with Hosan Rasah. I'm probably murdering the last name. Racy. <laughs> Racy. Uh, yes. Hosan Racy who is a, from, originally from Afghanistan, who's studying at the Peace and Conflict Center at Otago University and doing a paper on identity and belonging and, and religion and uh, belonging. Well, can you talk about um, what can we do to help people N- with their own background and culture feeling uh, proud of it but also becoming New Zealanders and, and a, a certain amount of adoption needed for that too in a very, quite a different culture yeah what can, we, what can we do that we're not doing or what can we do more of Yeah.
2: Um, I'm saying that sense of belonging is a two way process. Of course, it is uh, to young Muslim youth to create their sense of belonging to New Zealand. But at the same time, it's very important that the New Zealanders uh, give them a sense of good relation and go through interactions and help them to establish a good uh, sense of belonging to New Zealand. So it's it is like New Zealanders they should go toward refugees and and one day actually I am just saying my own experience uh, and then I come back to your question when I was in France, and I had a problem, I mean, because there as well, I was like a refugee. So I had problems in many aspects. And one day, I asked, I was talking with a professional, and I asked, okay, I need this help. I need some people to help me with this, or with that. And that people, I mean, that professional told me, saying, you know, it's not uh, for us. I mean, it's to you, because we are not in your home country, in, in Afghanistan. So uh, as you are here, you should come to us. I know, I know at the time that, yeah, it was my responsibility responsibility to go toward them. But it was hard for me. I mean, it was hard for me because of the culture, because of the language. I was not with that much, uh, I mean, uh, fluent uh, in French at the time. So I'm saying the same thing here. I'm saying that New Zealanders can go toward Muslims. They can share, they can hear their difficulties. They can ask them about their stories, about the stories of Muslims, because they have lots of stories to tell you from the hard times that they have had. Some of them came here as asylum seekers. You might have heard about them, uh, sheep, you know. Many of them, they come from my community. I have heard a lot about them. So it's it's a long, long story of migrations and, and refugees with, with lots of difficulties and, and hardships and, and trauma and persecution. So, yeah, you can go toward them. You can ask about their difficulties, about their... And their stories and uh, also uh, it's sometimes because uh, refugees they don't know the language they don't know the culture so it's hard for them to come to you and even in terms of language they don't know sometimes the language so you can go toward them and uh, one more point and one other point that sometimes um, refugees um, especially youths they are not very comfortable with the title of refugee. So it's important and for you to go toward them, and that helped a lot. And actually, uh, one, uh, one another uh, another story, that is, uh, a young uh, um, Afghan uh, lady, uh, she was here in Dunedin, and uh, when I was talking with her about her experience of being here in New Zealand and Dunedin, she was very happy. She was amazed by how she perceived by the society. But also she was uh, saying that as we have in Afghanistan, the question of gender, especially for women, for ladies is a little bit hard and difficult to go towards other people. She was saying that when she was studying at Politic, I mean, for one year she didn't have any contact. She didn't know that she can contact with other people, or interact with them, go in their home, share their lives, share their stories, share food. So, she was saying that after one year, one day, they asked me, okay, do you mind if you can come? We have a party? I told him, yes, of course I can come. Yeah, I like, I love to come. I love to come with you and and her um, from you and I can share with you my stories and my, uh, yeah. And then after that uh, dinner, I mean the party, she was saying that, I mean, she was, feel very comfortable. She could they became very close friends. Until that time, she didn't know that, okay, they can go toward them. And at the same time, for New Zealanders, it was hard to... I mean, they didn't go toward uh, the, the, that lady, so there was, a, a, I mean, a gap between them, and and, and they couldn't interact. I mean, so, yeah, it's it's important for New Zealander to go toward them. And, and sometimes refugees, honestly... Uh, especially the youth, they are not very comfortable with uh, the title of refugee. So uh, they, they can go toward them, and they can hear their uh, difficulties and, and and their needs. It's important for a cohesive society. Hmm.
1: Can you talk about the um, impact of religious identity on? On young Muslims and w- how does that work? And New Zealand's a very secular society in some ways. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm aware of that. Uh, actually,
2: this is my study, and uh, just to to be clear, I have. Uh, uh i have used uh, two approaches like uh, a qualitative and quantitative um, i mean uh, method uh, for the quantitative i have uh, i surveyed around 260 young muslim male female from different uh, uh, muslims originally i mean from um, different muslim countries and I have interviewed around 20 uh, young, I mean, youths uh, throughout New Zealand, different cities, especially Auckland, Dunedin, and uh, Christchurch, and also people from Wellington. They have a strong sense of belonging to Muslim community. That's true. And then I will come back and say the reason why is like that. But at the same time, It's unlike many, many other studies here in New Zealand. I was surprised that Muslim youths, they have a strong sense of belonging to community, but at the same time, they have a strong sense of belonging to New Zealand as well. They are very satisfied here. They are religious people, but at the same time, the, the level of satisfaction mm-hmm. here is very high if I compare to many other studies in other parts of the world.
1: One of the things that I've been aware of is that some of the outreach between newcomers and New Zealanders has actually been through through churches like the, the Abraham faith group that started mm. here after 9/11 by yeah. campus champlin Are young people people are aware of that of the the interconnection between faith groups in new zealand uh,
2: i am i'm i'm not sure if they are aware about that and uh, the community if
1: I mean, there's some visitation between the, for instance, the mosque mm. in in yeah. Dunedin and other churches.
2: That, that's amazing, actually. That's amazing. I was uh, I was in 2019 when I experienced it, uh, and uh, and I just saying that when I was in France, I was uh, in very close contact with. Uh, I mean. Uh, sometimes i went to mosque people see refugees what are they doing how do they find their place in the society but i didn't have that experience i mean experience the uh, people's new zealanders originally new zealanders they come they mosque and and, and they share a space with uh, muslims uh, it, it was amazing uh, and uh, and uh, and that helped a lot actually and that helped a lot when uh, and then when i have heard um, i talked about uh, muslims uh, uh, members of, members of mm-hmm. muslim community okay why people i mean other people come here See, and then i i have heard about the reason and i and i talk with other people so that helped a lot actually that the interfaith uh, groups mm-hmm. and the interfaith community that helped a lot to 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 remove the stereotypes which sometimes i mean um mediatized by media or, or something like that so it's it helps it's very helpful and 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 it remove it helps to remove the stereotypes which exist between um, uh, different faiths and 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 uh, um, help the people come together and and, and share hmm. yeah.
1: i think it's helped new zealanders too i mean it's helped people that are already here i think it's helped some of the religious groups who are already here are christian groups i think it's it's been a two way yeah it's, thing. it's 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 true they are in very close relations and i I think it's been helpful for everybody involved, not just the newcomers not not newcomers i but mean i mean it's been helpful for Muslims but also for Christians and Jews yeah. Of course, in, in, if we talk about newcomers. No, uh, I didn't mean it like...
2: I mean, yeah, those who came very recently, arrived here in New Zealand, the, the, the communities helped them a lot, actually. The first time when, it, it was even my case, actually, when I came here in Dunedin, uh, I, I, at the time I didn't know. I know no one here. There was a lady, I mean, uh, that lady that I talked with you about. She already left uh, Diniden and she went back to Afghanistan. So I know at that time no one here. But the only reference for me was the mosque. I went to mosque. I went to... I, I wanted to meet other Afghans who are here. And uh, I went to mosque and this was the place where I can... other peoples uh, other people and they shared information with me and I have learned a lot from them and actually what I'm saying that communities are very helpful ethnic communities religious communities they are very helpful they help newcomers uh, immigrants uh, refugees to be integrated well Mm. in the core of the society New Zealand society and they can share with them the information, uh, and that's that's mm. that's very interesting. Actually, this is uh, I have uh, traveled in many other European countries, but the experience, my experience here in, in New Zealand was 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 absolutely different in a very very positive way, and 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 was and and uh, and they are really in a real real term they are practicing the the multicultural society i mean uh, we, we can find here and, and and that's that's good actually that's very good and, and very important for for the
1: for the society of new zealand when we talk about well, you mentioned in your paper social capital what does that mean and is is that the best term i mean is a Say as opposed to citizenship or mm. human belonging and identity. Yeah, I think of a social capital as a product or a result of ex- monetary exchange. Where I think of citizenship. Yeah. Or it, uh, human beings as mm. a belonging.
2: It, it's amazing. Yeah, it's it's uh, as you mentioned, we have social, we have capital social means social we are talking about society when we are talking when there is capital there so it's economic you know it's finance so when they both they come together so it's mainly stress on the importance of social relationship so this term of social uh, capital is used uh, is a multi dimensional concept, and you we in it's used in many different areas and, and subjects. Uh, as you mentioned, like uh, health in public health, it's used a lot, and uh, it's used also in uh, uh, citizenship as a concept as an indicator uh, to examine the citizenship and also in social belonging. Uh, I I used um, the social capital uh, mainly to to examine the sense of belonging of of, uh, youths because uh, it comes from my own experience, experience when I was working with refugees and uh, uh, (coughs) at that time uh, actually, when I was France, in France, uh, we had mainly their non-accompanied asylum seekers. Their main destination was uh, the UK. Uh, when I was talking with them, okay, why UK? I mean, many of them mentioned not explicitly the term social capital, but what I ex- what I interpret now, it was their social capital. So, uh, because of their social capital, they wanted to do everything to finally reach UK, uh, being with their families and friends. So, when we are talking about social capital, actually, uh, it's important that I mention some figures here uh, who are the founders, like uh, uh, Pierre Bourdieu, Pierre Bourdieu, um, French uh, sociologist and anthropologist. Uh, Robert Coleman, uh, Robert Putnam, James uh, Coleman. Uh, (coughs) They are the main figures who uh, use the term social capital. Uh, But for them, the the, the term social capital is, in a very simple way, is the history of relationship. But there are other figures who are used uh, specific um in a specific way the term social capital uh like uh, Alejandro Portes mm-hmm. and Douglas Massey uh, they used the uh, the the term social capital uh mm-hmm. in terms of migrant my my, my my migration and and refugees and so Douglas Massey <coughs> oh, for Douglas Massey the, the social capital was like his a, a pull factor a pull factor that helped migrants move moved to, to usa from mexico uh, mexican migrants to 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 usa that was the the the, the indicator uh, that used and and actually the the most important factor among many many other uh, factors and and the theory of social capital is uh, a very robust and a strong theory in in migration studies, okay. and uh, and ro- and uh, and uh, Alejandro Portes actually used this uh, term social capital, how uh, migrants and refugees integrate in the society. But the main important mm, and, and figure in in this term of social capital is Robert Putnam. Robert Putnam. Uh, who used the term uh, for him, actually, for uh, Robert Putnam, uh, social capital as, um, is uh, social relations, social ties, based on, on trust and norms of reciprocity. He popularized, he mediatized uh, a lot uh, this um, concept in the, in his very famous article, Bowling Alone. <coughs> And here he identified three types of social capital. Social capital bonding, it means uh, homogeneous interactions. Peoples from uh, the same uh, uh, ethnic uh, ethnic background or religious background come together, <coughs> and they they interact. And there is another uh, um, type of social capital, which is social capital bridging. It means going beyond their ethnic or real religious community with peoples who share not that much uh, I mean in terms of identity that much uh, um, items so it's uh, with uh, heterogeneous people uh, with uh, different communities ethnic communities with different religious communities and also another type of social capital is linking Is when linking is uh, uh, connections or interactions with the institutions of the.
1: Okay, thank you. Welcome. Do you think there is a religious or spiritual basis for humanitarian ethics? I think, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, all Abrahamic religions, or all religions actually, they come to guide people. They come uh, to help people uh, in their routines and help them establish and rule and re- regulations in a society. <coughs> that, that is the purpose of all uh, religions, and uh, uh, telling the truth. We have this in Islam. We have this in in any other religions. They they say, okay, telling truth is good is important. Take care of each other is important. Uh, Equality in a society, uh, equal access to opportunities for everyone is important. We should promote this. (coughs) And actually, these are the index that we can find also in humanitarian ethics. So both of them, they share, they promote an equal society, a good um, humor for human beings. So, but it's, of course, difference in terms of practice between different languages, uh, between different, uh, um, I mean, um, religious, but all religions religious promote the same uh, things, but it's also uh, to us how to interpret them. It's also important. But for me, yeah, both have the same basis. And it's just for us to to interpret them in a good way.
1: Did you expect that Europe and places like Europe and Australia might become more open to refugees and immigrants than they have been in the past? Hundred percent, yeah.
2: I mean, just imagine uh, a baby, a family. I was uh, I was working a lot with families as well. Was I was in Europe uh, and uh, in France. You know, when you just put all your families, your babies, your kids, in a small, I mean, kayak. If I can say, I don't know what's the the exact term for that. When you put all them in that one and you take that risky journey, it's not that that all like Afghans or Iranians when they come can, they can't come legally i mean they they can't barter between Turkey and Iran legally. they need to pass the mountains, spend times days, weeks in the mountains sometimes they didn't have nothing to eat so uh even people when i met asylum seekers there uh, they said we were witnessing that our friends they died here because they were sick we didn't have nothing to eat for days <coughs> and for weeks we need to 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 sleep in a in a in a forest in a jungle so we had nothing to eat. We had no, no water. And uh, uh, we are badly behaved, very badly behaved by police. Uh, I mean, Bulgarian police and, and Turkish police. So, and then when finally we came to the point that we put all our families in a small car. So, and we need to spend like like uh, uh, four or five or, uh, five hours in the in the sea in the ocean so it was it was eighty percent risk of dying so we know the risk in spite in spite of the risk we didn't have other choices
1: do so you fi- do you hope that are there people working to change this to make it easier mm. sorry are, are there people working to make change to make it easier
2: of course of course they are peoples and and that's that's uh, that's our uh strain point in this bizarre uh world and that the everywhere is, is is war conflicts uh, still there are peoples who are who are caring for others peoples, who take care of uh, other peoples and and uh, and other peoples are important and they go toward them and 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 we have seen and i have seen them a lot in in france uh, in europe they they left their families and and they went help other refugees asylum seekers they shared their foods and and clothes and and yeah and even even I have met many many of them if they had a place a small tiny place in their home they shared with asylum seekers families and and children and and kids because in 2016 and and, and 15 there was a peak of refugees and asylum seekers there and actually the system was not that much ready for that number of asylum seekers, so communities uh, uh, and uh, uh, played a very significant and important role in that process and helped and and helped government and helped as well as uh, refugees and asylum seekers uh, to pass uh, a little bit smoothly this process.
1: Is New Zealand becoming the kind of society that and place? where you would feel comfortable? Uh,
2: actually my studies show, as I mentioned before, uh, New Zealand, uh, the people that I have, uh, actually I have the results, I have the statistic, just uh, in front of me here, and I see that people, they showed a very high level of satisfaction, satisfaction, life satisfaction here and there one one thing that i want to mention they are highly satisfied by the institutions new zealand institutions it's 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 uh, as uh, in my term it's like social capital linking it's the relations of uh, of uh, of uh, muslim youths with the uh, new zealand's institutions like police courts parliament and, and news, government like uh, they are highly satisfied and uh, and uh and they enjoy actually they enjoy uh, uh, living here in New Zealand at the same time they could practice uh, their rit- rituals and their ethnic uh, their, their um, ethnic cultures so so it's it they are very very satisfied from uh, by living here and uh, and at the same time they keep and their sense of belonging to their community. So it's not something that one is uh, in the opposite of yeah. the other. It it it's trained. It, it it push one another and help one another. So it's.
1: Well, thank you very much, um, Hussein, for coming coming into the radio station and having this conversation hmm. and making the effort. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much and for the invitation.
2: We wish you well. Thank you, thank you so much, and I'm very really happy. And it was nice to talk with you. Thank you, Maureen.
0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.